I want, I want, I want me, 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 mine, 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 now, now, now. You know you're responsible for what you hear. You know you're responsible for what you hear. Welcome to Thoughts from the Hairy Head, the podcast where I talk about, well, whatever happens to be bouncing around inside my head at the moment, but mostly focusing on constitutional issues and political decentralization. This is episode 143 of Thoughts from the Hairy Head, and I appreciate you tuning in. This week, I'm going to talk about the War Powers Act. annoyed me on Facebook this week. There's a shocker, right? I posted an article on my Facebook page by Ron Paul discussing the possibility of military intervention by the United States in Venezuela. And Ron accurately made the point that any such military intervention without congressional authorization would be unconstitutional. And of course, I've got the predictable pushback from right-wingers who have never met any type of military action they didn't support. Uh, I even got the uh, the somewhat predictable, well, Obama did it. Uh, we now have the Obama did it school of constitutional interpretation, uh, which is funny to me because these people hated Obama, and now they use it to justify whatever Donald Trump does. And speaking of this trend, I have to say the whole... Obama, or the whole Trump can do no wrong thing is absolutely worn out. Uh, and I hear it all the time. I mean, any time that I criticize Trump, these people come out of the woodwork and get angry and defensive and belligerent. Uh, you know, they talk about Trump derangement syndrome that works in both directions. There are definitely people on the left who are obsessed you know, everything Orange Man does is bad, but there are people on the right that are just as bad in terms of hero worshiping Trump and he can do no wrong, which is absolutely absurd. And, uh, you know, he has continued the unconstitutional military interventionism that we had under Obama and that we had under Bush and that we had under Clinton and that we had under Bush. And, you know, we could go back forever almost. But by and large, the uh, arguments against Ron Paul's article centered around this idea that, oh, yes, it is constitutional for the president to send troops into war because he is the commander in chief. And almost all of them invoked the War Powers Act, uh, saying that that gave the president justification to send military in uh, before getting congressional approval. So I want to touch on the War Powers Act because it is in and of itself unconstitutional. But before we do that, I want to touch on war powers just real quick because that's the foundation that we need to understand uh, how this act plays into 
uh, presidential powers. It is absolutely clear, if you go back to the ratifying debates, if you go back to the framing of the Constitution, it is absolutely clear that the president was not to have any role in deciding whether or not the United States entered into offensive military actions. This really isn't debatable if you look at the ratifying debates, if you look at what was said at that time. Uh, Thomas Jefferson put it very succinctly, and I know Thomas Jefferson wasn't uh, at the ratifying, uh, wasn't in the United States during that process, but uh, he certainly was well aware of the intentions of the uh, folks that were involved particularly through his correspondence with Madison. And Jefferson said, the Constitution supposes what the history of all governments demonstrates, that the executive is the branch of power most interested in war and most prone to it. It has accordingly, with studied care, vested the question of war in the legislature. And that was the bottom line. The founding generation did not want too much power placed into the hands of a single individual. They had already dealt with the tyrannical king. They wanted no more of that. They were very wary of executive power and meticulously limited the authority of the president. During the Philadelphia Convention, James Wilson included war powers in his discussion on these broader limits of executive power, and he said he did not consider the prerogative of the British monarch as a proper guide in defining the executive powers. Some of these prerogatives were of a legislative nature, among others, of war and peace. In other words, the king had these powers, the king had the power to make war, that is not the proper guide in defining the, the powers of the president. During the ratification debates, Wilson, who, who you may remember was uh, one of the drafters of the Constitution and also a very influential figure during the ratification in support of the Constitution, he emphasized that the constitutional structure was calculated to guard against hurrying the U.S. into war. He said, this system will not hurry us into war. It is calculated to guard against it. It will not be in the power of a single man or a single body of men to involve us in such distress, for the important power of declaring war is vested in the legislature at large. This declaration must be made with the concurrence of the House of Representatives. From this circumstance, we may draw a certain conclusion that nothing but our interest can draw us into war. And Alexander Hamilton uh, made a similar argument in Federalist Number 69. I'm not going to read that whole quote, but I'll put it in the show notes page if you want to check out uh, what Hamilton said. So very clear, presidents were not meant to have the power to take the United States into war. Now, modern presidents have, presidents have basically circumvented this requirement by appealing to the War Powers Resolution of 1973. And under this congressional act, the president must inform Congress within 48 hours of committing armed forces to military action, and it prohibits them from remaining in action for more than 60 days without congressional approval. The law also provides a 30-day withdrawal period, meaning troops could theoretically be in combat for up to 90 days with no congressional approval. The War Powers Resolution... Basically, what it did was it handed the executive branch the power to engage the U.S. military in combat anywhere in the world without getting a declaration of war from Congress as required by the Constitution. Congress took a power delegated to it in the Constitution and transferred it to the president. Basically, it amended the Constitution. 
In fact, the law disregards Congress's explicit and sole authority to declare war and reduces it basically to, well, it's a suggestion. Basically, the president only has to consult with Congress eh, when it's possible. Modern presidents have also relied on these broad authorizations to use force that are passed by Congress ahead of time. In practice, these resolutions authorize the president to decide if and when he wants to take military action. For instance, the AUMF that was passed after 9-11 authorized the invasion of Afghanistan. It's still in effect today, and Bush, Obama, and Trump have used this to justify independent decisions to take the military into action in other places in the Middle East. But the War Powers Act and these congressional resolutions are not constitutional. In the first place, nothing authorizes Congress to willy-nilly transfer its delegated powers to the president. In fact, doing so violates basic rules of construction. In contract law, when a principal, that's the people in this case, when it delegates power to an agent, the federal government, that entity cannot transfer the power to any other party without specific direction. And no such direction exists. Second, This violates the spirit of the separation of powers. Remember, the framers and ratifiers wanted the decision about going to war to be in the hands of a deliberative body, the representatives of the people, Congress, not in the hands of a single individual, the president. The War Powers Act does the exact opposite, allowing the president to act without any congressional approval beforehand, and resolutions that give him broad authority to declare when and if he wants to act, basically it's the same thing. This does not encompass the type of deliberation the founders envisioned. It goes against both the legal structure of the Constitution and the spirit of the Constitution. So here's the bottom line. It is clear from the drafting of the Constitution through the ratifying debates that the president was never intended to exercise the type of war-making power he does today. Madison provides a compelling overview in his political observations when he wrote, The power proposed to be surrendered to the executive were those which the Constitution has most jealously appropriated to the legislature. The separation of power of declaring war from that of conducting it is wisely contrived to exclude the danger of it being declared for the sake of its being conducted. Bottom line, all of these military interventions, whether they're set off by Bush or Obama or Trump, are unconstitutional. Congress should be approving each one of these explicitly, period, end of story. If you care about the Constitution, this is the principle you need to abide by. Well, that's it for this episode of Thoughts from Harry Head. We're another 10 minutes closer to freedom. I really appreciate you listening to the show. If you enjoyed it, do me a favor, spread the word. Feel free to send me any thoughts or ideas to michael.meharry at 10th Amendmentcenter.com. You can subscribe to the podcast over at iTunes. It won't cost you a dime. Again, thank you for listening, and I'll talk to you next time.